Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor at Vintage Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. I was worshiping so hard, I came up too early, but we just went with it. It's all right, it's all good. Welcome to Vintage Church. If this is your first time with us in the room or maybe your first time joining us online, I get to be one of the pastors here and we are excited that you're here. But I'm also reminded today that our church is so much bigger than what happens in this room. Come on, somebody. It is so much more. And one of the things that we hope to create as a church is a platform that gets us out of the walls of this church meeting needs in the community and taking the gospel to the world. And we see that as something that we, all, we get to do and are called to do holistically. It's not just global and it's not just local. It's all the way through. And I'm grateful for the local things that we get to do. Like I am so honored to partner with Run 5 Feed 5 because it is an amazing organization that serves the kids in our, church, in our community. So don't forget as you leave today to grab one of those boxes and let us help them help children in our community. And if you missed it, as we talked about in the pre-gathering, we're right now finally getting towards the other side of COVID and excited to announce our global partnership where we're going to be serving the people in the Czech Republic, one of the most atheist nations in all the world. And some really cool things are developing over the next few months as we do that. But I'm also grateful for the churches that we've been able to help plant over the last 13 years. Because we deeply believe the way to help people find Jesus in other cities is to make sure those cities have healthy churches. Come on. Like the best way to reach people in some other town on the other side of the state or somewhere else in our country is to make sure it gets to experience something like this every single week. And so we've helped plant several churches over the years, but none is more special to me than Parkside Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Because it is pastored by two of my favorite people, Matt and Deborah Rhodes. I got to be there when Parkside launched in Greenville back in the fall. A year and a half, two years ago, Matt and Deborah were here, and they cast vision. And you can see the fingerprint of vintage on Parkside. And because of your generosity, we gave an entire week's of offerings away to invest in Parkside Church because we believe that they are doing amazing work. And you are, you are helping people in Greenville, South Carolina, find Jesus for the way that we support them. And so today, my friend... Matt Rhodes is here, and he's going to bring the word to you today. And I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you, man. If it wasn't for Matt and Deborah, Vintage wouldn't be here because they were the first to actually believe in what God had put in my heart. And I'm honored to be one of the ones that's walking with you as you pursue what he's put in yours. And I am grateful and honored that you would take this platform today. So y'all welcome my friend Matt Rhodes to come bring the word today. Well, you got the lesser mat today. Oh, they said no. Man, I was just trying to be modest. Wow. Well, good morning, Vintage Church. It is good to be in my home away from home. My home away from home. It is 1026 here in beautiful Random in North Carolina. 
That means we're four minutes away from starting Parkside Church service today. So just do me a quick favor. Say a prayer for our team that's back home that's doing their best to build bridge between people and Jesus by having our own little service in our little baby church in a community center right outside of downtown Greenville. And uh, pray for my wife as she's delivering the word today. Uh, and there's nobody, there's no other place that I'd rather be on Sunday morning than in the Sterling Community Center at Parkside Church because it's where God has placed me. I've given our, we've given our hearts to that. But if I had to be anywhere else, I'm glad I'm here with you guys because this really is a home away from home. And Matt mentioned it just a little bit. Like, it's been really cool to kind of sit back and see the progression of Vintage Church over the years. And from that very first conversation, before it even probably had a name, you know, we talked about what Vintage was going to, and we dreamed together what it was going to look like. And, and man, it's awesome to see it grow up over the years and feel like we're a part of that. And the reason we feel like a part of that is because not only have we been able to be a part of Matt and Ashley's life as they figured this thing out and as God has revealed to them what it was going to be, but there's been a couple seasons in our life where we literally have been a part of the church. There was a dark season in Deborah and I's life where we needed a place to go and just be loved on and poured into where we weren't in charge of anything. Nobody's going to ask us questions. We didn't have to do or lead anything. We just needed to sit in the presence of God and worship and hear challenging teaching. And so for several Monday nights a few years ago, we came to Vintage when we lived here in North Carolina, and it, it, it was really a blessing to us. And then during the pandemic, just like you did, we sat in our living rooms with our, our kid running around, our dog running around like crazy, and tried to figure out what worship looked like from a recliner, but we did it. And we were a part of Vintage Church during that season, so thank you guys so much for what you're doing to advance the kingdom. I promise you, you'll never know this side of heaven how far your reach goes. But I'm telling you right now, it has reached my family and it's changed our lives. So thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. We really do appreciate not only the investment in our lives, but in Parkside Church over the last couple years. And then just real quick, before we get started, I do want to say I'm so excited to hear about the global outreach that you guys are doing through the Czech Republic because that's a place that's near and dear to me and my wife's heart. We were engaged uh, in Prague, Czech Republic, the capital of Czech Republic, uh, on, on the front side of a mission trip where we spent 10 days in a life-changing environment, learning and learning and learning and trying to do a little bit of ministry there with Jasmine when she lived there. And it was a life-changing experience, so, some moments I will never, ever forget. So if you get the chance to go, go. If you can give, give, and everyone can pray. So please do that. I promise you it's an incredible work that you will not you will not forget and you will not be sad that you did. So do that. They didn't pay me to say that. I'm just saying it, it, it's a life-changing experience and it's something really good. So do that. So I know a lot of you guys don't know me, and that's probably a good thing. But I'm going to give you some vulnerability right now. I believe in honesty. I believe in direct conversation. So I'm just going to lay some things here on the line right now. I'm really excited to talk about peace this morning. But I think we need to start with some confession. So here we go. And if you judge me, I'll throw my shoe at you, okay? Yeah, I saw how many donuts some of you ate in the last few minutes. Maybe I'm just telling you I hadn't had a donut yet. My confession is this. I'm a nerd. Amen. Boy. <laughs> I'm a huge nerd. Like, all the things. Marvel, DC, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. I'm here for all of it, Right? I want to see, like, I'm so excited about all the movies that are coming out, all the things that are going on. I, I spent my time last night, my last few moments of consciousness in yesterday, watching a Star Wars movie, and I was so excited because I wasn't interrupted by my 10-year-old asking me all the questions. 
right? I love all those things. And, but that's not really what makes me a nerd because somebody, maybe you like some of those things and you're like, well, I don't feel like I'm a nerd. Well, you may be lying to yourself. Uh, but it's not just that I like those things that makes me a nerd. It's like how deeply I can get into those things. Like the proudest moment of my life over the last several weeks wasn't me leading someone to Jesus. It wasn't me discipling someone in the coffee shop. It was winning Walking Dead trivia at a bar in downtown Greenville. Amen and amen. Yes, I went to a bar. Yes, I watched Walking Dead. I don't want to hear it. I have a little medal to prove it. And my daughter said to me, she's like, Daddy, can I have that? It's old plastic deal you get from an Oriental trading. Daddy, can I have that? No, you didn't earn it. I did. <laughs> I'm a nerd, and that's okay. And I love to know the backstory behind things. If there's an article or a fan theory or behind the scenes, whatever, I am all the way there for it. And I'm okay. I'm, I'm comfortable with myself. I'm almost 40 years old. I have a beautiful wife and a beautiful daughter. I don't need your approval. I've got all that I need. But it's not just that I like those things. It's not just that I enjoy them. I think it highlights something that has become more meaningful to me over time. I think what I'm learning about myself is that I enjoy the deeper truths of life. Now, I know we're kind of joking around a little bit, and I do enjoy movies. I do enjoy nerdy things, and I enjoy learning about them, but I think it's this, this truth that I want to know something more than just the surface about whatever it is that I'm researching, that I'm looking at in life. I grew up in church. I know some of you guys did too. And we did this thing way back in the day called Sunday school. You remember this? Remember Sunday school and you had that teacher that was sometimes nice to you, but sometimes she was kind of grumpy, like no judgment zone, but it happened sometimes. And I remember learning about things that a lot of us did. Like we learned about Noah and the ark. We learned about Moses and the Ten Commandments. We learned about Jesus and his miracles. And we would teach kids, and we learned as kids all these really good and valuable truths, but we learned them on a really surface level. And I remember even learning about the fruits of the Spirit. I remember learning about the fruits of the Spirit at vacation Bible school. Raise your hand if you went to vacation Bible school back in the day. Amen. And you know what we did at vacation Bible school? We sang silly songs, and we learned really cool Bible lessons, and we all drank wheat Kool-Aid and had those little butter cookies with holes in them, and you just you eat around them. You remember those guys? Like, you, or you get those big 60 cookies from the Kmarts, all right? And you could have the chocolate ones or the vanilla ones, and you fought over them. Like, that's what VBS was back in the day, but you would learn things like the fruits of the Spirit, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and everyone's favorite, self-control. I cannot wait to hear that message here in a few weeks. It's going to be awesome. Today we get to talk about peace. And man, if I ask you to pull out your phone right now and go to your social media of choice, you could just flick through a couple times and you could just, man, this world is full of anything but peace. Chaos and turmoil and conflict everywhere you turn. And I know for some of you, uh, because you're overachievers, you skipped ahead and you're like, man, we're, we're going to talk about the fruits of the spirit. Oh, this week is peace. Oh, peace. I need some of that. Give me some peace. I'm, I'm ready. These kids is crazy. I'm tired of this coworker. My husband or my wife don't do that. Like, I just need some peace in my life because we treat peace like it's a spiritual tanning bed. We sit back. We put those silly goggles on. And it's like, okay, give me some of that. 
vitamin peace because I need peace in my life. And I'm not saying that's not true, that's not valuable. Absolutely, is. we're going to talk about that really quickly here today. But like I said, I'm a nerd. I want to know the deeper truths of things. I want to go beyond the surface. I want to go beyond the Sunday school or the VBS answer when it comes to the fruits of the Spirit. So maybe today you came looking for peace because chaos is in your life, but we're going to look at it from a little bit different perspective. So please don't tune me out because I believe with all my heart that not one of you is here by accident. Maybe you came because you love Vintage Church. Maybe you came because someone drug you here. It doesn't really matter. I'm glad you're here because God has something he wants to say to you about peace Today, So what is this deeper truth? Because the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit isn't just that you have the fruits of the Spirit. It's that they manifest themselves in your life on an outward basis. Because if the fruit just sits on the tree, it looks good, but it doesn't serve its purpose. And a lot of you look really good, right? But maybe you're not serving your purpose fully because the evidence of the work of the Spirit in your life has just been internal and it's time to turn it out and do some things in this world, some external forces. So what is this deeper truth? If you're taking notes, maybe write this down, jot it down on your phone. If you do a little tattoo on your arm, I don't really care. Just remember this. This is the deeper truth. Your presence should create peace. Your presence with a C, not a T, creates peace. Not only are we called to have peace in our life, we are called to be a force of peace in our worlds, in this world. You are called to be an agent of peace. If you are a disciple, if you love Jesus, if you are a follower of his ways, this is who you were meant to be. You know, Paul, uh, I've been reading a lot of Paul's works, and, and, and that guy, I'm telling you, he's got a crazy story from one of the most ardent and loud detractors of the way of Jesus Christ to, to, to arguably the second most influential person in Scripture and maybe even human history. And he writes these letters, and we're studying uh, the one here in Galatians and the fruits of the Spirit. But in another place in Ephesians, he actually speaks about peace pretty clearly, and we're going to talk about that. He says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And in just a few words, Paul reveals this deeper truth that calls us as believers to deeper maturity. When God reveals deeper truth, what he's doing, he's calling us into deeper, deeper maturity in our faith. And he says, and he helps us move the needle from just wanting internal peace for the chaos to become quiet, for the conflict to settle down, for there to be a lack of turmoil. He says, no, it's not just about that. You're actually supposed to be an agent and a force of peace in this world. And I want you to take note of the first three words that he says in this verse. Make every effort. And it's just three words, three words that are like third grade reading level words, but they pack so much truth. And this is the truth, that we go first. That we are being called to be the initiators of peace in our world. We can't sit back and wait for the dust to settle. We're actually the ones who have to step out and say, because I'm a believer in Christ, it's incumbent upon me to go out and make peace in this world, to go first, to put forth the effort. 
And in today's world, even among believers, putting forth effort is something that's in severe shortage. We want everything to come to us because we live in a world where everything comes to us. And I'm so thankful for things like technology that make it easier for what happens here to happen there, but it doesn't excuse the responsibility we have to make effort, to make every effort to initiate peace in this world. And all that to say this, this is our big idea for today. This is the thing I want you to walk away with. This truth, you are a peacemaker. I don't know your story. I don't know everything that you've gone through. I don't know every purpose that God's called you to, but there are some common things that God has called every person to, and this is one of them, and it's very clear. You are called to be a peacemaker in the worlds that you live in in your job, in your home, in your neighborhood, and with those people who just get on your nerves, you are called to be a peacemaker. Now, this, does this mean that, that our, it's our responsibility to go out and just be like little firemen that go out and put little fires out in the world, right, in our world? It's like we, our kids are acting up and they're going crazy. Okay, y'all need to settle down. Everybody needs to chill. You know, peace, peace, you know, like, or go into with our in-laws' house and just peace, peace. And sometimes you're like, I'm going to keep me a piece of steel. Like, I need to take care of this. Like, you know. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about this external thing that, that, that's based on the work of our hands. I don't know why I did this. Like, I'm a crab. I don't know. I swear, Matt, like, I'm, there's going to be so many memes that my team back home, they're going to look at this. It's going to be bad. I don't even care. When we focus everything on the work of our hands, that becomes an issue because the work of our hands can be manipulated. We can lie to ourselves and we can lie to other people when it's based on the work of our hands. When we look at the deeper truths of God, they always, they always, they always start with the posture of our heart. The posture of our heart can't be manipulated. It can't be lied, right? And the posture of our hearts always, always, always affects the work of our hands. We have to start from our heart. If we're going to be a peacemaker in this world, if we're going to affect the relationships and the circumstances around us, it has to begin with our heart. And right at the end of this chapter we're talking about in Ephesians, Paul gives us a pretty clear roadmap to what being a peacemaker looks like. He says in verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, there are some moments in Scripture where it's difficult to really understand and parse out exactly what's going on. Sometimes uh, context and culture can cloud things, and we got to go a little bit deeper. That's why these environments are good, because we have understanding together, right? When people who study can make things more clear. Look, if you can't understand this verse, maybe you should go across the way and Sananda can help you out, because like this is pretty clear. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as Christ forgave you. The first thing that we can pull out of just this one verse of scripture is this. Based on the posture of our heart, that the posture of our heart, our default starting position should be to be kind and compassionate. And I mentioned this just a second ago, like there's a difference between our heart and the posture of our heart being set to the default mode, to being set to kindness and compassion and the work of our hands, because we can fake that. 
I can make you think that I'm being kind and compassionate by the actions that I portray. I can hold the door open for you. I could buy you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. I can listen to me while you tell me about your boyfriend that you should have dumped six months ago. I can make you feel like I'm doing those things, and it may make you feel better about life, and oh, I'm so glad he's such a good pastor, and it's like, you need to chill. But the truth is, like, if, if our heart is set to kindness and compassion, we can't fake that. It becomes real, it becomes authentic, and it can affect those who are around us. And in Matthew, or in the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus gives this beautiful sermon that, that's one of his most famous teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's chock full of practical teachings that, that, that show us and give us some insights on what it looks like to actually live and love like Jesus. And from what I hear, that's really important to people here at Venice Church. And it, it, right there in, in, the, in the beginning, he gives, in chapter 5, he gives us a glimpse at this deeper truth. When he says, starting in verse 38, and, and the cool thing about this, this little excerpt that we're going to read here is that when Jesus said this to the people in that moment in time, it blew their minds because it was completely counterintuitive to human nature and it was completely counterintuitive to the culture of the time. And it's exactly the way that it is now. It's not that different 2,000 some odd years later. He says, starting in verse 38, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, then turn the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, which is this odd thing to sue for, but who knows, uh, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who, who wants to borrow from you. Like I said, when Jesus said this, uh, to these Hebrew people at the time, they nearly lost their mind. Like some guy looked at his wife and said, Susan, do you hear this dude? Like he is lost. What do you mean? If someone comes to me and they punch me in the eye, I'm punching them right back. If they knock out my tooth, I'm not. And it's not just that it was the, the societal acceptance at the time. That was law. So if you went to someone's house and you guys got in a fight and you punched someone's eye out and you knocked out their tooth, when the cops showed up, you were going to need an eye patch and a dentist when they left. That's the way that it was. And we still operate based on this system today. It may not be law that if I come to your house and I kick a dent in your truck, that you get to kick a dent in my truck. I don't have a truck. I'm not that guy. But we still like to repay evil for evil. If someone messes with us, we're going to get them back because ain't nobody going to get me. I'm about to get got. It's not going to happen. Do you, they understand ghetto here? <laughs> My context is a little bit different. All right, good. This happens in our world all the time, and Jesus flips what was even at the time a religious notion on its head and says, no, that is not what I want for my followers. It doesn't matter. Whatever happens, you need to do the other thing, the thing that makes no sense, right? If they ask you to go one mile, you go two. And I'm like, you crazy. If I'm running somewhere, there better be a bear chasing me and a sandwich at the end. But he says, go two miles. I don't want to go one. And the reason this is important, and, and the surface level truth is don't repay evil for evil. That's the surface level truth. When you go deeper, what God is saying, what Jesus was, was communicating at this time, that if, if we're going to be the people that we need to be in this world, then our heart has to change. That we have to take on the discipline of doing the things that don't seem to make sense in this world. 
If you're going to set your heart's mode to the, the, the default of kindness and compassion, then we have to look at this scripture and say, whatever happens to me, I'm going to do the thing that honors God, not the thing that makes sense or makes me feel good. And so many times in this world that we're living in right now, no matter that this teaching has been out forever, we still struggle with this. I still struggle with this. That I, if somebody's going to try to get at me, I'm going to get at them too. When they, when they make some kind of negative comment online, I'm going to get right back at them. And Jesus said, no, we're, we're, we're called to be a force of peace in this world. That when everything is going crazy, we should be the ones saying, all right, let's bring it down a notch. Even if that means we leave with a black eye and they don't. We should be willing to take a punch in order to promote peace in this world. I know that's not easy. I know that seems counterintuitive to everything that we believe in our life, but it can change things. What do you think is a shorter or smoother path to resolution in your life? Reacting or having kindness and compassion for the people in your life? Maybe the path to peace in our life isn't waiting for the dust to settle. Maybe it's understanding that peace in our lives and peace in our worlds has more to do with how we react to things than it does the circumstances of things. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of turmoil. It's discipline to make a different decision. Whew. We done jumped into the deep end of the pool today. You, you guys are all like, man, when you go stop asking these people to come talk because they say whatever they want to and leave. Amen and amen. <laughs> but, you know, we jumped into the deep end of the pool, so we're just going to ease in. Just kidding. No, we're not. We're going to go deep diving. We're going to go deep sea diving right now because Scripture calls us to something even harder when it says, Make every, um, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you, because not only should our default response be kindness and compassion, our default setting of our heart should be forgiveness. Forgiveness, which is one of the most difficult concepts in all of Christianity, because every single one of us has been hurt, we've been traumatized by some circumstance, and more importantly, some person in our lives. And the truth that I'm trying to communicate to you is this our hearts should be spring-loaded with forgiveness. I mean, that hurts. Like some of you right now are thinking about that trauma in your life, thinking about that moment when someone that was supposed to care for you and love for you, when they just completely turned against you and they betrayed you and they didn't hold up their end of the bargain and they left you in the wake of that in shambles. And I just said to you, your heart should be spring-loaded with forgiveness. I did. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus. He's the one that said it. And I think starting from the right place of that conversation makes all the difference. And what I mean by that is if you look at the tail end of what Paul was saying, forgiving each other, comma, just, at, just as in Christ God forgave you. I think if we have that moment of forgiveness or we're thinking about forgiveness and we realize that man Christ forgave us that's the best place to start often we start from thinking about what has been done to us and it's just too much 
We can't, we can't overcome that hurdle. But if we step back and remember that Christ forgave us, Christ forgives us. Think about it like this. When you come across God's mind, when he thinks about you, he doesn't see your mess, he doesn't see your junk, he doesn't see your mistakes, he doesn't see your sin, he just sees you and he likes what he sees. He doesn't have to like push over your rebellious stage when you were younger. He doesn't have to shift out and sift out your thought life. When he just sees you, he likes what he sees. And that should give us an indicator of what we're supposed to do with other people. Live and love like Jesus. He's our example. He's the one that we're to emulate. I think another thing that can help us turn the corner is realize that we are all on equal footing when it comes to God. We are all been in need of forgiveness from him and from other people at some point in our lives. There's this, this teaching in, in Romans chapter 3 that we've all heard before. It says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Guess what? In case you didn't know, you're a Gentile because you're not a Jew. So that's all of us here. And all are justified freely by his grace and the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In this verse, especially here in verse 24, we, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory. We focus on the sin and the shortness a lot. And that's true. We should focus on that. But all all we are all on equal footing with God therefore we should um, look at other people as not better or worse or less than or more than we are we are all the same we have all made mistakes we have all been in need of forgiveness at some point in our lives everybody past present and future the thing that we have in common is that we've been in need and forgiveness of both the Lord and for other people. And if we're honest with ourselves, the times that we've been in need of forgiveness should allow us to show grace for people who are in need of forgiveness. We love to look at our circumstances and say, we're going to put that aside. And we look at other people's situations, and when they mess up or when they cause trauma to other people, when they hurt, uh, hurt, hurt us or people we love, we're like, no. No, sir, we're not going to do that. You deserve everything that's coming to you. I don't want to hear it. You messed up, and you're going to get it. But when we mess up, we're like, look, if you could just give me some grace, these things were going on. Like, just if you just understood my situation. We expect grace from other people, but we're so reluctant to give it. But the thing that we're turning the corner to understand is that when it comes to grace and peace and forgiveness, kindness and compassion, we have to go first. If we're going to change this world that we're living in, because of the work of the Spirit and when drama happens, when trauma happens, we should seek forgiveness because we've learned that it's the most God-honoring posture and it's the quickest route to healing and to health. That's why forgiveness is so powerful, because it honors God and it's the quickest path to healing, and to restoration. How peaceful would this world be if we didn't have to excavate all the junk to unearth forgiveness, that it was just there? How much peace would happen in your world if you didn't have to dig through all that mess to find forgiveness? 
And what if it wasn't just the result of the moving of the Holy Spirit, that you actually got to a place in your maturity to Christ that, that the Holy Spirit didn't have to say, hey, hello, hey, hello, you need to forgive that person. Or if it wasn't because the moving of the Holy Spirit through a sermon or a song, that you just understood that as a believer growing in my faith, I need to forgive people who have done wrong to me. I'm telling you, it takes that process in short. And look, it's a process. I'm not saying that forgiveness has to be automatic, that the minute someone hurts you, it's like, you're forgiven. Boom, you're forgiven. I don't know why I did that, but it happened. Little forgiveness gun. I'm not saying that. Look, I've had trauma in my life. If you were here last year when I, when I spoke, I told you about the most traumatic thing that ever happened to me and having to walk down the road of forgiveness. And it's something that has affected my life for 15 years now. And I still have to walk through forgiveness all the time. But I'm learning that my heart can be set to that mode. And it doesn't take as long to forgive people when they've done things wrong. And it's not about me. It's not about them. It's about honoring the Father. Look, I know this is not easy. I know that this doesn't particularly feel good. But sometimes we have to have these conversations that, that a relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't always feel good. Because he calls us to be the best version of us that we can be. Not only does he call us to life to the full, but sometimes getting to that full life, it requires digging through some junk. And I know it's not easy, but maybe you're like, okay, I hear you. I feel you. I, I believe in this, but I have no clue where to start. I think there's one thing that everyone can do today that can get them started on this journey or help them get to their next step. That can help them understand the, the, the truth of setting our hearts mode to kindness and compassion and to forgiveness. And it's this. Choose to believe the best about people. Choose to believe the best about people. I almost said believe the best about people. But it's a choice. Because people are messed up. People do make mistakes all the time. People do hurt other people all the time. But you need to make the choice to say, no matter what it looks like, how it appears, I'm going to make the choice to believe the best about people. I have most certainly fallen into the trap where I believe people are out to get me, that people are trying to sabotage me, that people want to see me fail. In whatever avenue of life, in marriage, in parenthood, in finances, in in ministry, in just life in general, I have fallen into that trap where I just think, man, they they just want to see me go down in flames. And almost every single time when I've gotten some distance from those situations, when I've stepped back and got some perspective, the thing that I've realized is that what happened was just a gross misunderstanding. There are some messed up people in this world, but I found in in my world, there are very few people who were just devious, who were just evil, that just wanna watch the world burn. Most people, When they create trauma in my life, when they do some things that hurt me, most times they were trying to do the right thing. They just did the wrong thing. They did the wrong thing for the right reason. And I think if you have some perspective that's filtered through Jesus, and you look at the circumstances in your life, the time where you've been hurt, and you've been struggling, it's hard to show compassion and kindness when it's hard to be a peacemaker in this world. You'd understand that 
most of the time that it's probably a misunderstanding that got way out of hand. That people are trying to do the right thing, they just ended up doing the wrong thing. And the grace that's been extended to you, you should now therefore extend to them. Not that everything goes away. Not that we're, everybody's all good again. It takes time to build that relationship. It takes time to get to forgiveness. But what if we flip this thing around and we chose to believe the best about people? And living by this discipline makes it much easier to be kind and have compassion and forgive people. To make peace win in this world. These aren't easy truths. But if you were looking for easy, you probably showed up at the wrong place. You clicked the wrong link. Sometimes God's truth is hard truth, and I get it. But if we look back at these things, we'll understand that, that peace has this amazing place in our life, and we have the opportunity and we have the responsibility to be a part of that in this world. One of the things I like to do to motivate me when God challenges me to deeper truth, to deeper maturity, is to, to fast forward in time, to flash forward in time. I wanna do that with you as we close in the last couple minutes and ask this question like, what could God do? What could God do in your world, in your spheres of influence, your family, your, your job situation, in your neighborhood, with your kids, all that good stuff? Like, what could God do if you said, I'm gonna be a peacemaker? I'm gonna take on the responsibility to make every effort to live my peace. What could happen in this community with a wave of peace, a wave of peacemaking from this church. School's out, so I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna give you the answer to that question. You would be amazed at the amount of healing and restoration that will happen in your world, in this community, with a group of people who said, we're gonna be peacemakers. Let me show you what that's gonna look like. You'll see healing and restoration from long broken relationships, from hopeless marriages, from wayward children, from lifelong addictions, even generations of hatred and racism that has broken communities. And guys, look, this is not a time to look to elected officials or appointed people to make policy, right? That's not their job. It's the job of the church to change this world. The only hope that this world has is the bride of Christ. I'm tired, I'm so tired of seeing people look to people who have no business, no business being a force of peace in this world, try to take up that mantle, and we gotta stop letting them. It is on you, it is on me to do that in our worlds. And when we bring our worlds together, we'll change the entire world. I believe it because we've seen it. So what are you going to do? You, not you, you as an individual, what are you going to do? this week to be a peacemaker in your world. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunities we have that you give us all the time to be a force for peace in this world, to be an agent of peace in our communities. And Lord, I pray right now with all the authority that you've given me that you would empower each and every person to be a peacemaker in their world starting today that whatever conversation they need to have, whatever Facebook message they need to send, whatever they need to let go of, that they'll let go. And they'll understand their responsibility given to you by, by faith to be kind and compassionate, not by the work of their hands, by the posture of their heart, 
to show forgiveness in every situation. And Lord, I, I pray for the harvest. I, I, I pray by faith in the harvest. The wave of peace is going to change these homes, these communities, these neighborhoods, and how people are going to come to know Jesus because we took the effort to make peace in this crazy, chaotic world. And we love you. And we give you praise ahead of time for how you're going to move in hearts and lives because of the work you started here in this moment. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at venicechurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Venice Church app by going to app.venicechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.